Well, the idea of divine humanism, this is a term that has been used for many generations already, but I think that nowadays it takes a very updated expression and a very necessary one. How to approach and conceive the divine in human terms and how to conceive the human being in divine terms how to bridge the gap between the two and what's the place for divinity in humanity and the place for humanity in divinity all the things are very uh, interesting challenges that should consume ideally the minds of sincere hunkerings of the truth hunkers of the truth so to be human let's start from us to be human is a big challenge in itself Sometimes we hear this concept of existential crisis and how this visits our human uh, journey. We generally do not see this expressed in such a deep level in other species, such as the uh, less complex form of life, as animal kingdom, like this. But in human beings, we uh, actually, not only we perceive some temporary existential crisis but we may say I may say that human life is in itself an existential crisis not in negative terms but crisis implying discerning the very word crisis coming from the Latin and the Greek implies this a situation when discerning and decision making is mandatory you have to do that. So, of course, you are uh, situated in a situation where we need to take a new decision with all the risk, if you will, and fear <laughs> that it implies. So, human being is in itself an existential crisis in a sense that it's a, a constant situation that invites ourselves to newer and newer progress. In Darwinian terms, the survival of the fittest mutatis mutandi in Latin, jibo jibasya jibanam in Sanskrit, just whatever language you will like, but the point is, life is in itself a dynamic affair, something that is constantly moving, constantly evolving, even if we want to speak in transcendent terms, let me go there for a while, if we want to speak on a spiritual level, we may speak about something that is always existent, always transcendent, always omnipresent, omniscient, etc., so on. But at the same time, according to Eastern thought, that very same reality, which is absolute, immutable, it's constantly expanding and developing, because that's the nature of love itself. And spiritual reality is composed of atoms of love. So naturally, everything is naturally expanding, more and more this uh, paradoxical feature of love that means it's self-satisfied, it gives full satisfaction to whoever may taste that, but at the same time it gives some sort of transcendental dissatisfaction in the sense that you will always feel, I want more, I need more. So that's the progressive nature, dynamic mm, expression of spiritual reality. And we have also a glimpse of that in this world. mm. So human being has a lot to do with that, because the, at least according to Vedanta, devotional Gaudiya Vedanta, the school I'm part of, 
the ultimate potential of human being fits perfectly in the context of the divine and love divine so it has to do with a constant invitation to uh, unlimited progress that's a very high um, let's say challenge try to imagine you are entering into a land where there is no limit to your progress I mean you have to really be disposed to live such a lifestyle but that's the most beautiful thing we can ever imagine so that's the ultimate potential of the human being so in now in now in our daily situation here maybe not so much connected with the divine we are starting to have a glimpse of that in the connection of our daily existential crisis some <clears throat> some type of mm, uh, question, inner question that always is sounding there. And the question that pres- primarily ap- appears in human life is, why? Mm. Why? Why am I? Existential crisis. Mm. In other species, again, less complex forms of life, the question will be more connected to the how. Mm. How to eat, how to mate, how to defend myself, and how to survive how to sustain my situation on a physical level. Not even psychic considerations are there in a deep way compared to human experience. What to speak of transcendent ones? There is a soul, according to Vedanta. There is a consciousness in those species as well. But consciousness has not really uh, reached the surface and, and have a glimpse to, the, to its own potential, as in the human being it, it does. So, in human being, we have this why question. But we, when we over-endeavor endeavor in the direction of the how question, and we ask this question in excess, how to do that, how to develop the answers to those questions, eating, defending, mating, and trying to create much and much more comfortable experiences in that regard, the, the, the parallel result with that is, a bigger existential crisis, a bigger level of dissatisfaction, and so on. Mainly because we are not properly paying attention to the question that is concerning us as humans. Why? So you can try to fly in the sky as a bird, you can try to reach the depth of the ocean as a fish, but actually that's mainly connected for the bird and the fish. As a human being, you should fly high in the sky of transcendent experience and go deep into the ocean of your own consciousness. And that's connected to the why question. So because of this, the famous Vedanta Sutra, one of the main treatises of Indian, Indian tradition, full of aphorisms, the very first line says this, Atato Brahma Jignasa, which means now, Atato, Brahma Jignasa. Brahma Jignasa means it's the moment to inquire into Brahman, into the Absolute, into the Spirit, into the Soul, into yourself. Now is the moment, Atato. Now that you can read these lines, it means you are a human being. Uh, at least you have a human body, because to be a human is a different thing. So, now that you have received this particular vehicle, the purpose, the ultimate purpose of that vehicle is to inquire into the why question. Of course, you need to inquire into the how question on a certain level, and you need to solve some relative, if you will, necessities, physical and psychic dimensions. You have to have them in balance. But in order to create the proper platform from which 
uh, in, make this question why. So make all the necessary how questions, but only in the context of creating the proper platform for starting to, to ask this powerful why question. For that you need a powerful ground, because the why question is very powerful, and, and the answer to that is much more powerful. So the ground has to be powerful enough to sustain yourself. So you can ask yourself all the how questions you need, solve all the relative psychic physical problems in that regard, but the idea of that is start to ask the why question, and there are so many layers and levels for that question and for the answer to that question. So in this sense, we are speaking about the purpose of human, of being human. So being human, again, it doesn't mean just having a human body. Being human, the very term says, human being. Being means, it's a verb (laughs) also. So to be human, you know, when you say to someone, please be more human or be human, you you know what you mean. Or when you say that was inhuman, it means... You generally do not say that was inhuman and you speak that to a dog or to a cat. You do not speak to an, to an animal and, and are accusing him of being human. You say that to a human being that is not acting hmm, as what it should be. Hmm? So basically, uh, first we should be human. You, first we should humanize humanity. That's in itself a big endeavor, hmm? a big uh, challenge for humanity as, as a whole how to pay proper respect, give proper honor hmm, to the vehicle that we have received, hmm, how to be humans. Interestingly, the word human comes from the Sanskrit term. Sanskrit is the the oldest language on earth for the term Manu. Manu is a pretty ancient sage who wrote a very classical treatise called the Manu Samhita. So Manu Samhita means a series of laws for humanity. So we, when you pay close attention to that treatise, you really understand what does it mean to be a human in a very virtuous way, in a very ethic, ethical way, how to be a good citizen, a good member of society, of your family, and all these different values that makes oneself a good human being. And from that platform, as sometimes we say, reach an equilibrium, a state of well-being, a state of balance, through which you can have a glimpse of the beyond, of who you can be, even beyond your humanity. When you start to deify your humanity, to invoke divinity into your humanity. But first, of course, we need to (coughs) harness our animal side, if you will, to properly uh, domesticate the beast that sometimes is still within us. So this system called Barnasram, the social Indian system of engagement, conceptual orientation, or how every member of society may engage themselves in a balanced way, in a satisfying way for them, that's creating this horizontal development, this ground from which one can have a look, a clear look, upon transcendence, upon oneself, projecting oneself into one's own existence in transcendence. So, first we have to humanize our humanity, but after that we have to make our humanity divine. So that's a very important point. How to do that? 
how to make ourselves divine because as humans we know we are very connected to this ideal of vulnerability fragility imperfection and when we conceive when we say divine immediately we will think of God of divinity and God represents the exact opposite in one sense of us as human we could conceive as such God is perfect not fragile omnipotent and, on, and so forth so that contrast may create a, a big hmm, gap between God and ourselves in such a way that we may not feel enough uh, strength, enough empathy, enough connection to feel we have something in common and we can establish some link between the two. So that's a very necessary thing to, to solve. Hmm? We may feel God is not too close to human experience and I'm not too close to God's experience. Of course, we, can, we find a very nice bridge in, the form, in Christianity, in the form of Christ. Being God, appearing as His Son, experiencing the suffering of the whole humanity as a way of the redemption, and in this way allowing humanity to, to connect, to transcendence through this particular manifestation that comes to... to, to, to to gap the bridge, the bridge, sorry, no, between divinity and humanity, fully divine, fully human. Also, interestingly, in the Indian traditions, in my case, I'm representing here, we find different expressions of this, this very same principle of divine humanism, as we label the talk. One of them is the principle of shastra, or the scriptures, or divine revelation. When we say shastra, we are saying. Uh, the divine message appears in the world from time immemorial and people can have a connection through the divine and that message appear as a guideline for humanity here from time immemorial also another principle is avatar which means divine descent or God uh, appearing in this world not incarnating, not taking a flesh a body made of flesh but appearing beyond the laws of this world in order to redeem this platform so, avatar also is, 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 could be expressed as an emotional moment is the, in the life of the Absolute. God taking a particular form, appearing in a particular circumstance with a particular purpose. We also have the famous principle of the Guru, of the spiritual preceptor, which implies a soul, a human being, but fully surrendered to, divine, to the Divine's will, fully aligned with God's will, and in that sense, acting as a channel, as a portal hmm, of what God's expressing to humanity. And that person will be a perfect example of what we should become. It's, a guru will be our own potential appearing before us. So it's a very interesting, particular idea. I cannot develop that here. That's not the topic of this talk. But I wanted mainly to connect to the idea of God himself hmm, taking a human-like Appearance in order hmm, to approach the infinite, the finite, sorry, hmm, or infinitesimal souls hmm, from the infinite plane. Hmm. So sometimes we we think of God mainly connected to us. Hmm. This is a very important point. We when we think of God, we think about some cosmic administrator, and that mainly is, is dealing with us here. So, Okay, that could be a, a quite anthropomorphic concept because we are here 
So, because I am here, this world is the most important, and because I'm here, and this world is the most important, because I'm here, God is mainly concerned with me here. But that not necessarily, necessarily has to be the case. In the Indian tradition, we find a very interesting idea that God has his own world of love, his own personal life, but at the same time, in that world, in that life, he's pretty much human-like. So, in that sense, it's his, when you say God he has his own life, and in one sense he's not so much concerned with the dealings of the temporary realm, you may feel like he's quite far away. But when we hear, at the same time, in that realm, he's pretty much human-like, hmm, we start to feel him close again. Hmm. The point here is the, the following. When we can see God as God, hmm, that's the, the, the presentation of the mon- devotional Vedanta of India, most probably you may think of him in awe and reverence, some type of majestic expression. God is very big, I'm very small, some distance is there. So the relationship will be in, in those terms, not in intimate terms, but with certain distance, awareness of God's divinity. And that's okay. I mean, we are not criticizing that, but we are just presenting an interesting uh, alternative to that expression of the divinity. Because again, for us, God God's, is infinite, and hopefully for everyone who is really believing in God, and having that experience. And if someone is infinite, it will have infinite expressions of his personality. In the very same way, we have different expressions, in a much more limited expression of it. So, we are, I will be different in front of my, my grandmother, in front of my sister, I will be a different person. I will take a different form, if you will. A different presentation. So the same applies with God. This is a very nice idea, which I speak to us of God being influenced, but not by material energy, the ones that takes, that puts us in what we call illusion, but He's influenced by the power of spiritual love that is in His own heart, and it's shared with his intimate servants. So, it's to speak about the glory of God. I mean, he's pretty much open and sensitive to the power of the experience of love that makes him more, much more than what he, what he is already. He's, I mean, we speak of God, we, we speak about the one being that already is everything that one could conceive of more. But the nature of, again, infinity is it keeps growing. The nature of love is it keeps growing. And different types of love are there, directed towards the divine. So, according to each particular type of love, the divine will adopt a particular presentation. Because of this, we spoke about emotional moments in the life of the Absolute. So, there is a particular approach to the divinity where there is not so much that majesty, but there is much more intimacy. Without transgressing the majestic aspect of God. So, it, is, it, it receives the names of Krishna, in one of the names. Krishna means supremely attractive, and it speaks of the principle of beauty, how beauty in itself represents the ultimate uh, principle of attraction. There is a concept in, in Sanskrit called rasa. Rasa means aesthetic, sacred static rapture. And it speaks about how aesthetics and beauty in a sacred context, it takes ourselves fully, it captures ourselves. And what to speak if that's connected with God? 
So the Upanishads, very ancient texts in India, say, Rasubai Saha, Rasambhyabayam Ladvanandi Pavati. Say, the absolute God is in, in itself Rasa, sacred aesthetic rapture. And only by tasting that Rasa, the soul can reach the, its ultimate happiness. So this idea of God hmm, of, as, as being more human-like, it, it has to do of himself, and the idea of God has to do with oneself as a cosmic administrator, as the president in the Congress, in the White House or whatever. But what happens when the president goes home? At home he's no longer the president. He's the president, but it's a second, secondary designation. At home the president will be his wife's husband, and maybe his grandson will be waiting for him, thinking in terms of, oh, grandpa is coming, <laughs> and when grandpa enters, he will jump onto him and say, I want you to move like a snake, so the president of the states will be, you know, like moving in the crooked way on the floor by the force and the strength of the five-year-old boy. <laughs> so the love is much more powerful than his power position as a president, that's the idea. So at home, he's himself, and he's much more satisfied with that interaction, and everyone is there, he's much more satisfied. When he returns to the, his job, hmm, he's the president, he's in charge, it takes a much more superficial uh, type of approach and relationship. So we could explain, apply that example on one level to the manifestations of divinity. When we approach God, just seeing him as God, not concerned about his own personal intimate life, you can have some distance, and again, that's okay. In Indian tradition, even that, that's an eternal option. You can go and have that eternal connection with divinity. And that's blissful, and that's nice. But again, there are some other mystics who have been uh, attracted to the idea of having God uh, deprived, uh, free of that uh, covering, if you will, of majesty, and being himself at home in the intimacy of that still being the divine, still being infinite, but being influenced and covered by such a love, as the case of the president with his grandson, that he starts to act and behave in a different way, while still being who he is at work, if you will. No? So in this, this presentation also receives the name of aprakrita, which means something that seems to be ordinary and mundane, prakrita, but aprakrita means in a closer look, you realize that's supra-transcendental. That's not mundane, that's not even transcendental, that's even one said beyond that. This concept will be like speaking about God beyond God. When God takes a rest from his job as divine cosmic administrator and wants to be himself at home. And from that perspective, he expresses in a human-like form and that creates much more empathy with our human emotions. It is said that all our human emotions, in one sense, are a very diluted hmm, uh, reflection of what we can experience in transcendence, in this type of connection with this type of manifestation of the divine. So from this point is that I am speaking here, or I would like to present this opportunity of the idea of divine humanism. Hmm. When we get both sides, both divine, divinity and humanity, both sides getting closer to each other to reach this type, of, this point of meeting. So because of this, I'm speaking in terms of divine humanism, 
and how to humanize humanity and how to make humanity divine well a very interesting approach will be to humanize divinity hmm? it will be still it still will be divinity but with a human touch that naturally will allow us to feel much more at home and closer to that so i feel that nowadays in, 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 in the ages we are living now it's quite necessary hmm, to update if you will the metaphorical presentation of God of a dynamic conception of the divine that has always been there hmm, but the presentation of the idea should be properly conceived and presented hmm, with an open mind and understand from different angles of, of view and also not only theology but psychology could help in that regard being psychology pretty much human uh, art or science, as we would like, uh, how to hmm, understand, how to connect to the psychology of God. Hmm? Psychology is something that could be applied to God's mind, hmm, to theology, hmm? and vice versa. From the theological field, hmm, we could hmm, conceive how to conceive and present a, 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 an expression of the absolute that may fit well with our psychology and at the same time not limiting the absolute but giving uh, or bridging the, gr- the gap between both of those sides hmm? so some ideas I would like to share to you today with all of you regarding divine humanism <clears throat>